Hey there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. Welcome to the show, everyone. Great pleasure that I have. Uh, I, I, would, I would like to invite my guests for today. I met them through another student. Um, so shout out to Alex Jordan, who is in, who's back in Peru. And um, I yep. have shared Alex's story on the show several months ago. So go listen to that. And I, when I met um, Alex and he told me about one of his friends from Burma or Myanmar, I was like, okay, I would like to share a story. So his name is Han Seth Lu. He's a junior at the University of Central Oklahoma, and he's studying early childhood education with a minor in leadership. He's now serving as the president of the University of Central Oklahoma International Student Council, the UCO Global Leadership Ambassador, and the Mr. UCO International 2019. He's also a co-founder of No Education and Community Center in Bago. He has hosted, hosted Miami, Miami Youth Speak Forum in 2015. Um, you can find him on Facebook as Hanset Lou. And everyone join me welcoming um, Hanset Lou. Should I call you Han or Seth or do you want both of them? Um, you can just call me Han. Um, okay. That actually is my last name. I don't technically has a first name. So, oh. yeah. So Han is your last name? Yes. It's, oh. it's, it's more of a family name rather oh. than last name. Yeah. Okay. And what does it mean? Um, it's just a family. Uh, I mean, I am half Indian, half Chinese. Okay. So like uh, my dad is Chinese. So like that's our Chinese family name. Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you for that. So you are like the second Burmese person that, I'm, that I've met in my life. The very oh, first wow. one. Yes, the very first one is my dear friend, Nathan, and I shared okay. his story. Oh, he's so wonderful. I met him five years ago in Boston, and okay. he's, you know, I mean, very warm-hearted and lovely guy, and I shared his story. He talked to me about Miyama. We talked about just the landscape, and I noticed that there were so many similarities between, you know, your country and my country as far as, you know, economic growth and, yeah. and just how the British just, you know, Pummeled and belaged and and just ruined our countries. So I um, just wanted to let you know that. And so I just I was just curious to know what's your like what was it like growing up in in Burma and can you just talk about your childhood memories? Let's start with that. Um, so, uh, Myanmar, um, is like a multi-ethnic nation because like we have like 136, um, ethnicity throughout the country. But, um, I was born as, to a family where my dad's Chinese, but my mom is an Indian. So like, I do have like a biracial identity. Oh, but nice. both Chinese and Indian are not part of like one thirty-five uh, recognly rec- like officially recognized um ethnicity. So it's yeah. kind of like a 
kind of like a strange um, um, ratio. Yeah. 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 Um, and pretty much during my childhood, um, it's, it, it's very typical that I go to government school. Um, I have a pretty schedule, except the fact that I also go to a Catholic missionary school mm. to take English courses there um, as part of my um, weekend school. So pretty much I have school almost every day. <laughs> wow. So I have school from Monday to Friday for government, like the the main education system in Myanmar. And on Saturday and Sunday, I usually go to missionary school and I also took several um, um, academic classes, like the extracurricular one, mm-hmm. and took a karate class as well. So that's pretty wow. much my hoops. I was a busy kid. <laughs> that's a that's an Asian stereotype. <laughs> that is true. You have the best of both worlds, you know, a, dad, a Chinese dad and Indian mom. What are you thinking you're gonna get? Education all around. Um. Thanks for you know, saying that. I just, I'm just curious. What, what would you say was your fondest childhood memory growing up in, you know, Myanmar? Um, my fun um, childhood memories um, is kind of the, the fact that like I'm so close to my parents because I'm the only child, and I don't have a lot of like friends that I hang out um, as a kid. So most of the time, like it's my, it's either my mom or my dad would be playing with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm really close to them, and I that is like probably my childhood um, favorite part of my childhood, which I I'm still close to them. Yeah. Um, I think I'm closer to my parents than like a typical uh, young people at my age would. So I don't know. I just like it the fact that um, I'm really open to them, and like I can discuss about anything with them whenever yeah. I want. You know. That's really good. Did you have cousins growing up? Or what, what? I do have a, I do have a couple of cousins, okay. but we do not live in, like the in the same area. So. Oh okay. Wow. So I'm just curious to know from you know for me, Emma, how was your path like, like living there and then moving to the US, and in addition to that, what forged that you know um, decision to leave the country, and pursue um, an education here in the US. Okay, well, so um, Myanmar is not like techno technologically advanced. So, like um, back then, when I was young, we're ending the military dictatorship. So the clan, the country is like pretty much closed to foreign assistance and like um, foreign influences. So it's it's kind of like a, I know you know you know it's like it's kind of like a closed community within the country so like you don't meet a lot of people from different country you don't see a lot of people interacting with like different uh foreigners but um it was kind of a huge change in 2010 where um uh, specifically 20 2008 where um the military government started to yeah um, to change the government system to democratic country, but we're still in transition. But that's when the country started to open up to like foreign countries mm-hmm. and starting to have like built relationship with them. And so, I mean, just as a typical military dictatorship <laughs> education system, the education is not the best, uh, you know. So you're not allowed to research, you're not allowed to learn certain things. So I always thought that if I could study abroad, 
um, in the United States, it could open up my minds and mm. see the different views and everything. So that was kind of my idea of studying abroad in the United States. But I mean, it was what I was expected. I learned a lot about the world and other views and other perspectives of the global affairs, you know. Hmm. That's good. So um, how did you get here, though? Like, did you, uh, how did you know about UCL? Because it's a smack dab in the middle of the country. Like, did yeah. you have any mentors or or just like a little bit more clarity on your path to the U.S.? It actually is an interesting story because <laughs> at the, um, before I came to the United States, I was volunteering as a tutor at American Center in Yangon, which is like a English language school. And several, you can take several other um, youth and farmer courses there. Um, I was volunteering as a tutor. And at the same time, I was searching for a school to study in the United States. So I basically was looking for a school at the time. And there were like several university fairs where a lot of American universities would come to Myanmar and present about their country. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, present about their university. And people would like get to know more about tuitions and financial assistance, those kind of things. And I usually go to these university fairs. But there was one time I was tutoring a student at the American Center. And I didn't get to go to that fair. But it was just downstairs um, in, the, in the ballroom of the American Center. So somebody from the embassy called me, which I know, and she, mm. I know personally, and she knows that I'm like looking for a university. And she was like, hey, like, I told like, one of the university here at University Fair about you, and they're really interested in getting you. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, where is it? And mm. they were, she was just like, can you come downstairs real quick? Like, I know you're working, but like, I want you to meet the representative. That was the UCO representative. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> which is like, kind of like a miracle. I don't know. Yeah. It's a good story. And then, I met Timothy from Office of Global Affairs. And then he was like, hey, like, you seem like a really cool dude. Like, do you want to apply for this scholarship? Like, we don't usually give up to, like, a lot of international students per year. But, like, you should definitely join. I was like, yeah, I can give it a try. Like, you know. And then I got the scholarship. So wow. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Yeah, wow. And how long has it been then since you moved to the U.S.? Um, almost two years and a half now. Two and a half years. And how would you say your transition has been like, especially adjusting to the educational system? Okay, so by the way, uh, in 2015, I studied abroad hmm. as an exchange student in Indiana University, Bloomington, Indiana. Okay. So it was not like a huge... First time, yeah. Yeah. But my first time would be when I study in Indiana University. At the time, I was in medical college back home. Oh. And my That's parents... Really, yeah. My parents <laughs> really want me to be a doctor. But <laughs> after being an exchange student at Indiana University outside, the education system in Myanmar is not good. And I don't want to be in that. And I don't really want to be a doctor. Um, mm. So I started off pushing to my family. And it was a long fight. It was two years fight to finally get out of the medical college wow. and to set up for um, university in the United States. So. I bet a lot of people listen to this that are, you know, Asians, Africans, but I want to ask you, how did you convince your parents to let you 
you know, follow your dream. But I'll, <laughs> I'll let him get curious about that. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, so you've been here, I mean, in Oklahoma for two years, and I see that yeah. you're, you're very invested in so many things. I mean, you have such a um, rich, robust um, portfolio, so I must commend you on that. And um, Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So I see that you're doing, you know, something with leadership, and um, which is very interesting. So I wanted to, and then you're also studying, you know, early childhood education. And um, yeah. what, why that minor, why are you minoring in leadership? Okay, so leadership has been like something that I'm really interested in since I was a teenager. So I've been really involved in my country as well as a, I was, I was one of the young activists in Myanmar where um, we usually celebrate like the environment of young people. Because, I mean, most of the people in my country, most of the young people in my country are not empowered because of the cultural aspect and also the, because of the government. The fear. Mm-hmm. And because of the lack of opportunity, too. So I was very, um, um, I am really passionate about, uh, I mean, helping people achieve their goal and helping people become, like, good leaders. So it's been, like, really a... Um, uh, it's been a subject that I am passionate about. And I st- actually study um, youth leadership at Indiana University as an Asian okay. student, which is kind of like a formal way of studying leadership for, for the first time in my life. And uh, I have seen a lot of things. I have heard a lot of things and I have witnessed like a lot of things that uh, young people can do to make their community better. Because in my culture, most of the time, seniority is like kind of like very overrated. Yeah. And like if you are young people, you're not supposed to do that because people think that you are inexperienced, which oh. I found later that is not true. It's not. There it, are, sounds like, it sounds a lot like my country. A lot like yeah. my country. I mean, I'm from experience. Nigeria, yeah. Experience doesn't really matter how old you are. It's... It depends on how much experience or opportunities that you have gone through in your life. Mm. So that's why I started founding New Education and Community Center, where we offered English language courses so that young people can like catch up with global news and like mm. interact with other people from different countries. And also they can just Google and research about things that they are passionate about. And also we offer leadership courses for young people and women um, so that they can, I mean, they can even like, it's, it's good for them to lead themselves to achieve their dreams, mm. even if they're not capable of leading the community yet. You know, I do believe that um, not everyone can be a leader because it takes a lot of effort and a lot of skills to be a leader. But I do believe that leadership is for everyone, regardless of your positions. That's so true. Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, you're leading yourself. Exactly. Self-leadership. And whatever species you find yourself. And I think it's also, we can make that same argument for being interested in politics and and governance. You don't have to really be interested in politics, but at least you have to understand how it works and what your role plays. Because whether you know it or not, these policies that are being made, it's going to affect you one way or the other. You can't just 
They're like, oh, I don't care about politics. But they're making rules that might, you know, inadvertently yeah. change your life. So you should be interested in what's, who's in power, what, how, what kind of government style they're using, and how you can play your bit in being, you know, that informed citizen. And I agree with you. So, exactly. um, so you've been here you, 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 doing, doing stuff and, you know, getting all busy. I'm curious to know, though, like, going back to your cultural identity, so you talked about growing up um, in Myanmar, your dad being Chinese, your mom being India, and how it was not even part of the 130-something recognized ethnic groups. Um, did you feel a little bit, you know, isolated because of that? Oh, of course. Um, I mean, um, sadly and unfortunately, Myanmar is not a very open-minded community, you know. And um, we had this culture saying that we don't like people who have like a mixed racial identity, um, even like Burman, a lot of Burman believe that they should believe, um, they should keep their um, pure ethnicity yeah. as much as they can. So growing up as a kid who is not only like different in having an identity, but I was really physically different from other kids in the community too, because I have a lot of hairs. I got the genes from my <laughs> mom's side, yeah. which a typical Burman guy would not have like a lot of hairs like me. And I have like a little bit darker skin than normal mm. Burmese. The bigger, whiter skin? Yeah, um, a darker. Oh, but in, in Burma, do you, do you guys like lighter skin? No. Lighter skin the they, yeah, in Burma, they love like lighter skin. Like, yeah, it's kind of like a standard of beauty, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even, like, growing as a kid, it's it's quite tough experience because there are a couple of times, like, my geography teacher would, like, point me out because they were talking about Chinese invading Myanmar in Asian history. Or sometimes, oh, there was one time um, my geography teacher just showed me because they were talking about the neighboring country. And they were talking about India. So it's not fun. But I mean, at the end of the day, you are who you are. And you need to respect yourself. Mm. Even nobody is respecting you. So yeah. hmm. so now you now being in the U.S. where it's such a cultural melting pot, do you mm -hmm. still find yourself isolated? Or what has changed, if, it's, if anything has? Well, I don't anymore. Because I, one, one thing I notice about being in U.S. and being in Myanmar is that um, people here like kind of wanted to know more if they don't understand something. Like, let's just say, like, if I'm Indian Chinese, they were like, oh, yeah, how did that happen? Like, is it really yeah. rare? Like, those kind of things. They will ask. They're curious. Yeah, they're curious. They're yeah. trying to understand you. Back home, people are not like that. Once you tell that in your Indian Chinese, they started having their assumptions and stereotypes, mm -hmm. you know, rather than trying to understand your or trying to know your story better. Better. Thank you for that. And um, yeah. I, mean, I think another thing with the U.S. is the advantage of having such a cultural mental, mental is you can get people that will be curious about you 
and you it doesn't like it's not like you're gonna be, feel sp- special all of a sudden but at least you don't feel like you weird one out because there's usually somebody just like you maybe three clicks away that you can relate to so it kind yeah. of helps with that shared experience but along yeah. that line i think the, the the downside of it is there's that push towards homogeneity where everybody has to feel the same way but yeah. sometimes you need to express yourself in a different way so how True. have you been able to um basically uphold or um preserve your cultural values at least ones that are you know very important to you to keep you know expressing yeah um so when it comes to like cultural culture and tradition um i do have a belief that some of the tradition should be um should be kept on practicing but some should not um according to the changes of time but all of I do believe that all of the cultural practices and traditional uh, practices are worth passing down to your next generation. You know, yeah. even if you're not practicing that tradition anymore, it's important for you to know it, and mm-hmm. it's important for you to tell your um, oh, story, next yeah. generation. Even though if you don't want them to practice, you yeah. know. It's kind of like telling them the history of where we came from and what mm-hmm. we used to do so that they have this awareness of where. Yeah, because the color of their skin, the way they look is always going to remind them of that. So they might as well know yeah. where they're from and things like that. Yeah, I agree with that. And at the same time, where there is a cultural practice or a traditional practice that is the fit with the community today or the fit with the modern uh, ideology, I think they should cap on. They should be capped on practicing, you know. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you? How are you able to preserve your cultural values? Given that sometimes in the U.S. you're just told to be American, even though you don't always feel American. Sure. How do you sure, so, stand out? You know, like how do? What What do you do to like stand out and and on all of that? One okay. So one thing I believe is that. When you're in a community, when you're in a community where um, there's like a lot of people, you should be very careful about practicing your tradition because you can obviously like offense offend someone unintentionally by practicing your culture. Because I mean, if you live in a community or if you um, live in a society, you cannot do whatever you want. You know, you should be very mindful of the other people and making sure that they are. Um, you make you treat some other people like accept it and with dignity, you know. But at the same time, you have to be stay true to your values. You have to be stay true true to your um um. How can I say your culture? Your culture norms, like things you believe. In. Yeah, things like that. Um, at the end of the day, you don't have to agree with somebody to change your culture you know and you can disagree on a lot of things but you just need to be mindful about what you're mindful that your action doesn't really bother somebody you know and i think the um understanding should go both ways you know and yeah. even in the community and i think mm-hmm. some of the times some of the things we minorities do sometimes and by minorities i mean those are not really from here like you and me is that we yeah. tend to like stifle and suppress our cultural identity at the expense of trying to make people feel comfortable. As long okay. as things you're doing are not, you know, you know, illegal or harmful, 
I think it, we should be comfortable in expressing who we are and let's yeah. say, hey, this is how we do things or this is why we, uh, we, we wear this kind of clothes or we, we do this kind of things just to share. We're not necessarily trying to force yeah. you know, our cultural nest into, down the truth. But I don't necessarily agree that we should stop doing things so as not to, if it's not going to be offensive. Like, that's why I would draw the line. Like, if you're not harming somebody or you're hurting yeah. them or things like that. But I think we, and I, and I say this as someone that maybe I went through a time where I didn't want to be Nigerian enough just because mm-hmm. I wanted to fit in. But yep. that can also lead to, like, you know, erosion of those values that I really hold dear to. And I bet you that if you can surround yourself with the people that you need to be surrounded with, they wouldn't mind. They actually would be curious about, you know, your culture as well. So, you yeah. know, that's what, that's what I believe. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I said, like, you have to be safe to your culture, to do your value, because yeah. um, there will be opportunity for you to express your culture. There will be always opportunity for you to show off your cultural identity. Let's just say, like, if you have, like, a... Um, a dinner, like or something like that, is celebrating for international student. You mm-hmm. can wear your culture outfit there, you know, yeah. so that um, you can showcase your culture, and also participating in like very cultural event and showcasing your culture. Um, those are really good things, and also you can even invite your friends over and cook them and cook some them of your food, share stories, dishes, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, and talk to them about what cultures look like and yeah. chat with your professor whenever you have presentation or about something that you have to do present about your culture yeah. um those kind of things you know yeah. I, agree. I agree and I, agree. I i do agree that it's a hard thing to do practice especially in a um community where there are a lot of people in different people different people it is really it is really important but culture is something that you should be proud of so yes um yes. you don't necessarily have to suppress it like whenever you have the opportunity, celebrate them. I agree. Thanks for that. Do you know that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily? For example, in the US alone, one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month. Wow, that's a lot of people. Do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal, affluent, and educated? Speaking of these retro qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossable podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no farther. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talktomo at mossible.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mossible.com. That is www.mossibyl.com. I know you're also big on um, mental health you know, yes. issues and, and just practicing self-love and whatnot. So I'm just curious to know, as, um, as a male person, as mm-hmm. um, just even somewhere, someone that, you know, moves to the U.S., and given some of the cultural richness that abounds within you, how do you give back to yourself? How do you feel yourself up? How do you build up your, you know, your mental health to be at a level where you feel like you can function? Um, well, that's really a good question. I feel like some of the time people 
a lot of people know that they're not okay mentally. Not 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 like mentally. I mean, all all people have gone through a lot of de- like depression and stress and mm-hmm. those kind of things, you know. But I do see the fact that most of the people, most of the time, still think that it's not okay to express that they have emotional needs, they have emotional um, uh, problem. Yeah. Which is, which I think is just a part of being a human. You know, you have emotion, you have f- physique. So you have your physical health, you have your emotional health, you have your mental health. Um, I think we kind of live in the day where everybody is trying to be perfect. Everybody is trying to be um, something who they are not. But at the same time, they have a lot of needs. One of the needs is their mental health, that they should be really happy regardless of the situation, you know? Yeah. And not a lot of people are taking care of their mental health. All they think about is how they are making the other person feel. Let's just say they want to showcase the other people that they are happy as when they are not, you know, yeah. like social media, even in daily life, daily interactions. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a really, it's a really serious issue. It came to a point where it's become a really serious issue that we need to talk about. And being vocal about it helps a lot, helps somebody realize that I do have like emotional and mental problem just as well as yours. And it's normal to feel this way. And most of the time, what I really got a lot up on, especially on social media, but mm. in my daily life, some people ask me to, and they like, oh, how like you seem really happy in your life. You seem really um, like over the moon all the time. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it's not like that. I mean, I look happy. Mm-hmm. I agree. But like sometimes there are times that I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there. They oh okay. One thing that they really talk about is like how I became very confident and like how I'm not afraid of things. Yeah. Which people say that to me all the time, which made me smile. Because there are times that I feel really insecure mm. about my future. There are times I feel really insecure about my present um, day. Or there are times that I feel not very confident about certain things. Mm. Um, and I always try to be authentic whenever I am interacting with people. So that um, if they ask me that question, I'll be like, okay, yeah, like... I am happy now, but like there are times that I'm not happy, Mm. you know? And one thing that I realized is when you start opening up to other people, they start opening up back to you too. It's kind of like a ripple effect, you know? So when, so last semester, not last semester, last spring, um, I was in, I was having a hard time, um, because I was kind of depressed and I still have anxiety disorder, which kind of make me to plan things like so extremely because mm-hmm. I was so afraid of something might went south. Um, so um, just be honest and talk to your friends and peers and communicate with them. And one thing that I, 
I feel like really important is that I started doing this on my social media too. Whenever I feel like I'm emotional or like whenever I feel like I'm not feeling very well or whenever I feel like I'm not happy, I posted about them. So a lot of people message me saying that, why do you post about these kind of things? Why do you post about that post that you're not happy? Yeah. Because I feel like most of the time, like nowadays, social media had like so many tricked positive people. Things, yeah, Push yeah tricked people out, because... Yeah. Mm-hmm. People just want to post their happy moments. Nobody mm-hmm. want to post their unhappy moments. Yeah. And I can just look at your profile and see like, oh, Mo, you're so happy. You're happy all the time, which is not true to you. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. there may be time that you may cry or you may be emotional, but you don't post that on social media, mm-hmm. which kind of conveys to other people that, oh, your life is happy. Your life is better than mine, which is not. Everybody's life is well, in their yeah. own ways, you know. So I started doing that as well. Whenever I feel emotional, I posted about it so that somebody who saw can see that, oh, okay, he was happy yesterday. He's not happy today. Just like me, just like I was yesterday, you know? So that I was trying to reach out to people that being unhappy is normal. Not everybody is going to be happy 24-7. All the time, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone is happy all the time. Oh, no. Choose or something to be that happy all the time. Yeah. I guess the central message is um, it's okay not to be okay. Was community that was beautiful, Seth. The way hand with the way you, you know, um, just articulated that like the anxieties mm-hmm. you have, and that's so totally relatable. And yep. um, and even hearing you be very candid about just the down moments and not just glossing over like we're so used to doing on on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot, but having real conversations because um, we all go through that. You know, the down moments. Some are just not some are better equipped at dealing with it than others. Yeah. But for some people, it's like a constant, you know, anxiety moment. It's like constantly being in the dumps. And, you know, they see your pictures. They see how you, you know, post stuff on Facebook. They think you're good all the time. And I think the, the more we start posting some of these normal days, like I'm not having yeah. a good day, I'm not having a good week, to kind yeah. of like balance out the, you know, the air polished, airbrush pictures, the, the yeah. 99th picture out of 100 pictures we've taken to put on Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. The more yeah. we can you know, at least be more relatable, relatable to people. And yeah, like, exactly. you know, I, 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 I talk openly about because I have some bouts of depression as well. And mm-hmm. um, when I started feeling comfortable talking about initially I wasn't comfortable talking about it. Like you have people tell me, why are you sharing that? Just, you know, keep it to yourself. I'm like, sometimes even just writing about it makes me feel a lot better. And yeah. I've had people just reach out to me and say, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, because of you, I, cause I talk about therapy a lot. Like exactly. How yeah. therapy has really helped me. It's helped me just a lot to vocalize my emotions, to um, um, radically accept myself and, and be more forgiving of myself and even of others that have helped mm-hmm. me. And just to uh, also affirm the positive things that I do 
and that I am already. So yeah. um, without therapy, I don't know how far. And of course, you know, my faith as a Christian, I don't know how far I would have gone. And and I highly advocate that. I'm like, prayer is good, you know. Have faith is good. Therapy is also good. You can have all of that, and you know, and and be a wonderful individual. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Then, and um, I, I think pretty much you've answered most of the things I want to talk about. And so, why you're not being the Mister International UCO? Congrats, yeah. by the way, and all of the things thank you're doing. You. What other fun you. activities you engage in? Um, right now. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I am a global leadership ambassador. So I help out uh, with the global and cultural competency at UCL, where we pair international students with domestic students, so they can become buddy and educate nice. each other about different culture. And also, I help out with another program where we pair international students with domestic family, so they can have a sense of a what it is like to have an American family. You know. Oh, nice. So that's yeah. a, is that what they call the Bronco buddies? Broco Buddy and Chris. Yes, yeah. yes. I think I've heard about that. And, and yeah. family. Well, that's really good. That's, um, I mean, you guys are doing it well. I mean, parents that I know from here, people that are here, so that way they can get acclimatized and, you know, True. home friendship and relationship. Oh, sorry. And I was looking at the stuff. You, I think you pick sexuality as well. Do you want us to still talk about that? If you want to, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, we can quickly talk about that. Uh, let's start with the sexuality part. What about it did you want to talk about? Okay. So, uh, um, sexually, there are two things that I want um, to talk about. So, okay. the first thing is that, I mean, I don't think it's even like Asian country, but like in a lot of in a lot of um, country, um, sex education is not properly practiced, you know? Mm. And I feel like it's a huge part of being a human and it's really important topic it's not about like having a um sexual affair but it's also like how to how you can protect yourself and how you can uh, keep yourself healthy as you know those kind of things so uh i am really i'm also learning about that so i'm really like because that's not something that is taught in my country so uh i do believe that it's an important thing to discuss about nowadays because um people are doing like um people are practicing sexual behavior like not healthily mm. and and most of the time it's because of the education they don't really know about what to do and they started doing things what they think it's safe and it's not safe which yeah. kind of leads to the bad things so i feel like this is the it's an important stuff to talk about too. And another thing that I want to talk about is the sexual identity. And I do believe that um, just like racial identity, there are also like sexual diversity where people can have like different sexual orientation and uh, expressions about their self. So um, that's been a huge topic lately in our society because mm-hmm. I, I mean, people are not aware of that. People don't understand what it really means to be different from the normal it's not even normal like that that the noon like the what they think is normal or normal normality of a sexual identity you know mm-hmm. and i grew up as a um as a in in a very close-minded community so those are not the those are not things that i have witnessed before those are not things that i've experienced as a child which kind of make me close-minded for quite a few times. Um, 
and just like visual identity, people are really different in their sexuality too. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks for thanks for that, and I do agree with you. I feel like um, sexual education is something that I think the problem has been. Um, from my experience, our parents mm-hmm. weren't quite equipped in talking to us about it. And mm-hmm. when they did, it was just, you know, don't, don't talk to boys, you're going to get pregnant, you know. Oh, and, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you touch the boy, you're going to get pregnant. That was the gist you get around. And okay. all of that was, the, the, I mean, the main gist of it was kind of um, outsourced to the teachers in school to do it. And sometimes they're not quite equipped as well. Yeah. And, and even in class, we just made fun of it. I remember when we, when we talked about talked to about poverty and what happens to the body when you're going through. We just kept laughing in class. We couldn't even hold a straight face. And of course, I didn't really get much from there. But I do agree with you. I feel like sex education is um something that needs to be enforced, and I think it should start from the home. I mean, yeah. parents teaching their kids, you know, the value of their body and what happens, mm-hmm. what to expect, and and you know, none of that. And as far as sexuality. Um, I do have a lot. I think I have more questions about it than you know opinions about it. And I do, yeah. um, I do believe that you know people can express themselves differently. You know, a boy loving a boy, a boy loving a girl, a girl loving a girl. Yeah. Uh, in between, and um, but I do have a lot of questions as to why. Um, I mean, like I said, I have more questions and opinions about it, and um, yeah. and I'm. I'm I'm learning and I'm um I'm I'm learning I'm learning and by talking to many people across the board, I'm learning as well about just because you know way back in the day, which you know I'm I'm not that old but I'm I'm a lot older than you. When you're used to one particular way of thinking and now yep. you're supposed to like you know not supposed to but but we're learning more stuff and and I think yeah. more dialogue from both ends and just being more open. And um, conversing and listening and being heard, I think that's you know that's one of the things we need. And yeah, so thanks for that, and I would um, appreciate your your candid um, expression of that. Yeah, of course, of course. All right. Well, guys, that was the show, and thank you so much all for listening. And catch you guys on another episode of the More Civil Podcast. I remain your host, More Civil. All right, thanks. All right, thank you, Mo. Thank all you right. for having me. Yeah. yeah, have a wonderful weekend. Yeah. You too. Bye. Hey listeners, this has been another episode of the Morsible Podcast. What do you think about today's episode? Do you have a question or feedback you'd love to provide? A suggestion for a future guest? We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram at Morsible or email us at talktomo at morsible.com. Your suggestion might just end up being featured on a future episode of the podcast. Cannot wait to hear back from you. Do visit our official website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and amazing guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Leave us a rating or review as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and reaching more amazing listeners like you. We always appreciate your support. Thank you for always listening.